very few people are going to do a good job doing it all by themselves, whether it's a partner or whether it's, you know, coworkers or whether it's family. Don't try to do it alone and don't feel like you have to do it alone and it's you against the entire YouTube world. I think you will find that if you meet the other people that you are so-called competing against, you will actually find that you are collaborating with like we're doing today. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Golden Hour Podcast, brought to you by the Polar Pro Studio. I'm your host, Dave Mays, and today's guest is the one and only Chris Nichols. If you're a photographer and you're interested in gear at all, and you've been doing this for a couple of years, there's no way that you have not seen Chris Nichols on YouTube. Chris Nichols was the host of one of the first camera review YouTube channels called Camera Store TV. Along with one of our previous guests, Jordan Drake, Chris jumped straight into the YouTube game right when it was getting started. After growing a large following on the Camera Store TV and also working full time at the store as an educator and sales clerk, Chris and Jordan both switched over to the new YouTube channel for DP Review, which is one of the largest camera review websites and blogs on the internet. They took over the YouTube channel DP Review TV, and that's where you can find Chris now online. Chris is an incredible communicator, teacher, educator, and fly fisherman. So enjoy this conversation where we really get down to the nitty gritty of how he got started, how his YouTube journey has progressed over the last couple of years, and what it's like working with the infamous Jordan Drake. Without any further ado, let's listen in on my conversation with Chris Nichols. All right, I'm here with uh, the one, the only Chris Nichols, the uh, the better half, as some call him. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm just joking. We interviewed Jordan Drake a couple months ago on this show. Uh, this is the other half of that uh, amazing channel from DP Review. Welcome, Chris. Thanks so much for having me, Dave. I really appreciate it. Yeah, you know, it goes back and forth. Who's the better half at, uh, <laughs> at, at, at what time? It's it's like a straight out classic marriage, except of course we're not married. <laughs> Although you you might as well be at this point, right? Oh, absolutely, man. You're absolutely right. <laughs> some days, some days it feels like it for sure. <laughs> If you're just listening to this episode, I would encourage you guys to listen to Jordan's episode as well. I think you'll get a full picture of the two of them uh, by listening to both episodes. But let's. Oh man, let's... What, did, what did he say about me? What, what kind of stuff did he say about? Me? <laughs> uh, one of the questions that I got on Twitter was, "How do you handle the overwhelmingly attractive Chris Nichols on a daily basis?" Um, his oh, he resp- must have liked that. Yeah, he liked that one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, he he spoke very highly of you. Um, <laughs> and he did make the same marriage analogy as well. So, <laughs> You know, it's funny. You make that joke, but I, I think what's unique about our show is like from the very beginning, it has been just Jordan and I, you know, barring like a special guest or, you know, trying to get a third camera person to help us out once in a while. Like, it's a two-person crew and we do everything, right? Our, our wives are friends. Like we all work together at the same place for a long time. So yeah, you end up like living with this person, seeing them more, <laughs> traveling with them, staying yep. in the same hotel rooms. Like, yep. you know, so all of the fun stuff, all the cool experiences, but also all the petty bickering and arguing, like it's all there. It's 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 just straight out marriage for sure. And don't you guys live uh, pretty close to each other too? <laughs> Yeah, dude, we're like five minutes away from each other, right? Like, it, yeah, I mean, it's it's just it's so we just accept that that is just the way it is. You could fly a drone from your house to his probably on on one battery. Easily right? could, easily <laughs> could, yeah. <laughs> That's so cool. Um, 
so we'll get into the history of you know the YouTube channel and all that, but I, I do want to start for you. What what kind of started your photography journey? You know, I uh, yeah, I took photography classes in university. Um, I was late registering. It was the only class that was like still open. I think it was that philosophy one hundred one, like English, <laughs> like you know, it, it like not my first choice. And so I, I had no interest in photography. I failed that class because I didn't like doing it. I think we we're doing pinhole and stuff, and it just didn't didn't blow me away. And so anyways, like a couple of years after that, um, I was looking on this awesome website that I talked about on Ted Forbes channel. It's really cool. It's uh, it's a Malaysian camera channel, mir.com, um, M-I-R.com. Uh -huh. I think it's still around. I've, anyways, they had, it, yeah. yeah, right? And they had all these classic cameras. And I was just going through and studying AE1s and, you know, and then uh, Nikon mats. And then I saw the Nikon FE and I was like, that's the most beautiful camera I've ever seen. And then I saw it at a local camera store for like 225 bucks. I bought it, uh, which back in that day was a lot of money, Dave, you know, 225 <laughs> bucks because I'm pretty old. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, and it was, uh, that was it. I just started wandering alleyways, shooting black and white film, learning things as I went. And, and all of a sudden I just started to really enjoy it because it was at my own speed and I could explore my, my own way and develop film. And yeah, it was really, it was really cool. That's awesome. And I mean, the craftsmanship of, uh, you know, those older cameras, it, it is something to behold. And as digital continues oh, yeah. to get better and better, um, it's just like cars and guitars and everything, you know, it's always kind of like they used, they made them better back in the old days, you know, <laughs> they certainly made them more beautiful. Like, you know, yeah, yeah the lines, they're gorgeous, you know, and, and companies like Fuji and Olympus have certainly benefited from trying to mimic that in some way. Mm -hmm. I don't think anybody well, short of some, maybe the Leica cameras, not you know. so much Olympus. They are going under, uh, <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just joking. That's true. <laughs> RIP. You guys need to make a video called Olympus RIP. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a strange situation like honestly i don't know i didn't think they were the first to go like you know pentax yeah. is still hanging in there so you know <laughs> go pentax yeah you know but uh yeah the world's changing no doubt i'm no actually doubt. An, Olymp I an olympus shooter i got the em1 mark three i shoot my videos on that camera i know jordan's a big micro four thirds fan and and has shot yeah. on the olympus as well and you're you're a micro four thirds fan as well i i am like, i Absolutely, yeah. yeah. I love Panasonic. So. I've been using it for a long time, but I actually have an EM1 Mark III as well, and it's it's probably my favorite go-to walk-out-the-door camera right now. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it, it's sad, <laughs> and I thought they were doing some really amazing stuff with live nd and you know uh starry uh, autofocus like yeah. some really interesting, almost like computational smartphone kind of stuff. Yeah. And I really think. That's what we kind of need to see happen in the in the big camera world. Yeah. Uh, we need to see some of that computational uh, technique come across. Yeah, I whip out my iPhone SE two and the uh, I take a picture and the highlights are never blown out, the shadows are never crushed. It's like everything's perfectly exposed. I feel like that kind of crazy HDR look that we were getting a couple years ago is they're dialing it down a little bit to look yes. a little bit less weird um i think the google <laughs> pixel can kind of look a little too hdr sometimes um but it's i want to see that on real cameras because it's amazing technology and and it makes our images look better on a phone imagine what it looked like on a full frame sensor you know absolutely yeah absolutely yeah i think it's a natural progression you know it was nice to see them doing it and nobody else has really jumped on board and then all of a sudden they're done so 
Yeah, I don't know. I mean, we'll see what happens when the other companies take over and what kind of new Olympus yeah, bodies true. we'll have. Maybe it'll blow us away. But yeah, yeah it is. Uh, it's a sobering thing, though. You know, you got to remember it changes. Our industry is always changing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, I mean, sorry, I'm I'm probably I'm too much of a fanboy to get off the topic of Olympus. But are they? <laughs> they're okay. not actually over, right? They just sold the company to another. Uh, business yeah they might continue the brand it's not like they're going to completely go away right yeah i mean as far as i understand it's you know like as far as i understand when it's happened before you know these conglomerates kind of take the technology keep using the name you know yeah so who knows how it's going to go is it going to be like rico pentax where they basically keep going you know mostly unchanged or are they just going to like strip all the tech and make some cheap cameras and you know uh try to squeeze the name for every drop it's worth (laughs) (laughs) who knows right who knows knows? knows? but um but you know regardless they made some beautiful looking cameras they did (laughs) i wanted a i wanted a pin f mark ii that's what i really wanted Oh yeah. The, well, the Pen F was so good, except for the autofocus, which is absolutely yeah. horrible. But take everything EM, else was take super EM, sexy. All the new stuff, the EM1 Mark III and the EM1X tech, and put that in a Pen F body. Ooh, that'd be sick. Oh yeah, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Um, anyways, we're both gearheads, so we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna go crazy. <laughs> um, so when I start, I started my YouTube channel Kinetika about uh, three years ago, and I was really looking to you and Kai as my biggest inspiration. And I, I just, you know, I'm humbled to be in this position now where I'm actually meeting you and interviewing you because you and Kai both really were what I wanted to achieve with my YouTube channel, which really was the same thing that you're doing, Kai and Locke and you and Jordan, where I had my buddy Connor and he was kind of, he was the shooter, but he was just as much of a character or, you know, or a, a supporting cast member in the channel as I was. Um, and that kind of collaboration, you, you still, even now in 2020, you rarely see that kind of collab, uh, you know, supporting character role that sure. you have and that Locke and Kai have. And Kai has, has moved on. Obviously he doesn't live near Locke anymore, so he doesn't have that, but I have spoken to him about it and he, he has told me, yeah, I miss having, you know, that camaraderie. Oh, yeah. Um, and that's what makes the content so engaging, entertaining. You're able to go out on location and shoot all over the place because you have a shooter. You're not just doing it all yourself. Can you tell me about yeah. that? Yeah, just that process of, you know, the way you guys started this whole thing out with uh, with with the two of you. Yeah, like that was, I think, really our goal right from the start when we started to realize, oh, hey, we should make camera reviews and we should make them, uh, you know, like we're actually using them as opposed to just talking about them theoretically. Like, you know, we were working in a camera store, the camera store in downtown Calgary. And uh, yeah, you're talking to people about the cameras all day long, but you can't show them how to use them. You can't show them what kind of images you're going to get out of them, you know, what quirks they have, what problems they have, really. So we thought, well, it'd be great if we could just go use them, shoot them on location. And that was one of our, our big sort of milestones that kind of made the channel start to go off. Um, otherwise, obviously, if you like Kai and us, then you you like, um, you know, deviant irreverence, uh, you know, like, yeah. you know, we, we tried to keep it entertaining, but also educational, <laughs> uh, you know, as much as possible. We really fought uphill working in a retail location. Um, 
but trying to be as objective and honest about products as possible, right? Mm -hmm. You know, naturally people are going to be like, oh, they work for a camera store. They're obviously just trying to push product. They're going to say whatever. So we really endeavored to try to be as honest as possible, even say negative things. It did get us in trouble with suppliers uh, once in a (laughs) while, you know, absolutely. But we just felt like that was the better way to go. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, and and it's, it's been that format ever since, right? And I think the big part of it is just, our style develops when you have like the two people working together, you can't help but make a style from that, right? Yeah. Whatever it's going to be, it's going to be a collaboration. It's never just like one of us being like, this is what we're doing today. This is how we're going to do it. Go with it. it. You know, it's always back and forth. The jokes, the ideas, we don't script anything, you know, mm. so it all just comes from both of us bouncing off of each other and it's worked well so far. Yeah, and I think again, similar to Kai and Locke, you know, DigiRev was its own camera store as well. So, sure. In a way, it's kind of it is the perfect collaboration because even though you might get some people upset, uh, you can be fairly unbiased. Other than the biases buy this product at my store, but other than that, it's like you're not you are just trying everything. You don't have to stick to one brand. You don't have to have any favoritism at all. Um, you know, mm-hmm. so that's that's the beauty of it being, uh, you know, a, a, a camera store. So sure, yeah, we always had access to the latest gear. Um, you know, we we had a big Canadian following, which is great, and we did ship across Canada. But you know, you know as well as everybody does, YouTube is an international game, not mm-hmm. not a one nation game. So you know, we had fans across the world, and obviously, we weren't selling them camera gear, so there was yeah. no. There was no links. There was no like affiliate stuff. None of that kind of stuff, right? You know, um, we didn't take any extra money or anything like that. So yeah, it was really just like, um, yeah, we wanted to be as objective as possible. And I think that's what really played well when it came to joining DP Review, you know, Mm -hmm. is we were already kind of approaching it more from a fun, but like I would say journalistic press kind of thing as opposed to like an influencer spokesperson kind of thing. Um, Uh And that was a really really good fit for DP review because you know they're they're journalists they're they're pressed yeah. they're really trying to talk about the products and and uh, communicate as much information as possible so it was a great fit absolutely i mean that it's it's even better fit really because they can be more brutal and aggressive with the review because they really are not at all trying to make anybody happy they're just giving a full you know almost it's the consumer reports of uh, of camera yeah. reviews you know it's extremely technical they're doing stuff that i could never you know imagine with you know the technology with you can compare like five different things and zoom in on the same image and compare the color science it's it's pretty incredible what dp review oh yeah does on their on their site so um I'm so glad we don't have to do any of that stuff. <laughs> the- yeah, you know, uh, I mean, there, I would I would say there's definitely been a transition from the camera store to DP Review where I shoot differently for DP Review. You know, it's a lot more trying to get a lot of samples, fill up sample galleries, take photos that I might not normally take, but that show off. Uh, aspects of the lens or aspects of the camera that we're using, right? Whereas with the camera store, in a way, it was maybe you could say a different experience, maybe more fun experience where I would just kind of shoot photos for myself, right? Uh I wasn't really, you know, whatever I felt like shooting, you know, and, but, uh, but yeah, you can't help but respect the 
the scientific know-how of the staff there. They're very mm. helpful. I'm glad they do all that stuff. But, uh, <laughs> you know, we get to be a little bit more loose, a little bit more experiential, like, you know, mm. what it's like using the camera. That you can't learn off of a test chart, right? Yeah. So how does the camera feel? How do the buttons work? You know, mm. is it heavy? What are my impressions? So, yeah, we feel like it's been a great match. So one of the things about you, Chris, that I am extremely impressed by and you kind of briefly said it, is that there's no scripting. And mm. <laughs> as I'm having this conversation with you, I love interviewing people like you who I can just say one thing and then you just turn it into this extremely entertaining uh, conversation. And I'm really just asking, you know, softball questions. Um, where does that skill set come from for you as, if you want to call it a performer or an entertainer or just a salesman? I don't know. What, where does that come from? Is that a family you know trait? That that's a good thing. Like, yeah, you bring up some good points. I mean, I was de definitely a salesman, right? Um, you know, not that you're trying to, you know, I was never a salesperson who's trying to like dupe people or like push sales or whatever. But you sure. know, there was there was certainly something about like a sincerity that that you learned to develop. Mm -hmm. At least I did in my sales technique. So a sincerity of passing on information, yeah. letting people make their own decisions. I think that played a big part. Uh, I've been a teacher for a long time, basically since I started the camera store, teaching photography. And, you know, although it is scripted to a degree because you're teaching the same curriculum, it's always a new crowd. It's always new people. They respond in different ways. And a big part of that is trying to be entertaining, keep them awake, right? Yeah. <laughs> That's harder said than done. Keep the interest going. And so, yeah, I think a lot of that skill set kind of yeah. came together. You know, my teachers in school when I was young, they were like, Chris talks too much. He socializes way too much. Um, you know, he likes to be a center of attention. So maybe that helps too. Uh, you know, it's funny. Um, I'm actually like fairly private person, you know, like I don't, I don't, I'm not super sociable. I'm not like this major outgoing person, which I know seems kind of, uh, you know, uh, opposite to how I, I seem on camera, but certainly when I'm on camera or when I'm around people, I'm quite gregarious. And so, yeah, I guess it just, I don't know, Dave, I mean, <laughs> well, I was, I appreciate uh, it. Yeah. It works. I was, you a know, magician. But yeah. I was a magician for six years professionally and I learned how, you know, I performed in front of thousands of people on stages yeah. sometimes. And I really learned how to turn on, you know, and be on camera and, and how to perform. And I'm similar. I am an introvert in some aspects. I, I love editing. I'll sit and edit for eight hours in a dark room, but then put me in front of an audience or a crowd or in YouTube sense on a camera. And I can kind of turn that on and off. Um, so I was just curious yeah. if you had any like acting or performance or stage you know, but you know, it sounds yeah, like the I, teaching really was what it was, right? Yeah, teaching is a performance in a way, right? But it's mm -hmm. interesting when you talk to a lot of the a lot of the YouTubers, you know, everybody does have a, a fairly different approach, but a lot of them I would say are often teachers and educators mm -hmm. um, and come from the background. A lot of them do come from like a uh, magician or, or comic kind of, you know, yeah. uh, background. I did a lot of drama in school. Like maybe that, mm -hmm. maybe that does it, you know, <laughs> all the kids want to be influencers nowadays, right? And they want to be YouTubers. So yeah. I guess I would say, yeah, take drama classes and acting classes or, just be a smart ass that loves to, uh, you know, <laughs> loves to get people laughing. And, and that's probably a big part of it. So when, when the YouTube channel started taking off the original one and you guys were still working at the store, what was that like during that kind of rise to fame, if you will? I would imagine locally it was pretty exciting uh, during that time. 
Yeah, it was brutal because we were working full time for the store. And then in our off time, we were making the show. And as you know, I mean, it's no easy task. It takes a lot of time, takes preparation, right? Um, Totally. So, you know, and we did get pretty good at having to kind of fly by the seat of our pants and and wing it, you know? I think that's why we didn't script anything. We didn't have time, you know? We kind of just had to go out, discuss, like, these are the things we want to talk about on this camera, make it happen, you know? And uh, it was tough, I, I will say. Like, it was a lot of work, it was a lot of effort, but we really enjoyed what it was doing. Um, as you say, locally, there was a big impact because people would come in the store and be like, oh, I just watched your video. Like, it's so cool that you guys are here. And, um, you know, or, or they would say like, thanks so much for that last review. It really helped me make a decision on this camera, right? So that always helps when you get that feedback, not online, but, you know, in person, right? But then we started getting people who were visiting Calgary from across the world. And they're like, oh, got to make a stop to the camera store. Like this is one of the, you know, you got Banff, you got Lake Louise, you got Kananaskis country, and then you got the camera store, right? As a, as a tourist attraction. So that was really good. And, and getting all that positive feedback and people saying like, I, you know, I really appreciate you guys are honest and that you don't hold, you know, you don't pull punches and stuff like mm-hmm. the, they, they really respected that. And so, yeah, it, that kept us going. And uh, yeah, the whole time a, the camera did you get store a raise was because of it or? No, God, no, no raises. No, no, it was, I mean, you know, I I think if you go into it, especially a channel like this with photography, if you go into it thinking like, oh, we're going to make big bucks off this, uh, it won't work, right? Like you kind of, you do it because you enjoy it and it's a lot of work and it's a slog, but it's like, I think we refer to it as again, married couple. It's our baby right? We birthed it and, and you want to raise it and you want to see it grow. You know, the channel becomes more than your personal investment or what, whatever returns you're trying to get. And, uh, yeah. And I, and I think that kind of kept us, that kept us humble and it kept us, you know, uh, honest. So yeah, it worked out really well. (laughs) And in terms of it being your baby, um, you had to give it up for adoption when you, uh, were offered this other opportunity with DP review. What was that transition like? I was watching the comments on some of those videos and I kind of followed that drama. Uh, you know, what was that like? I, Jordan said that it wasn't as bad as it might've seemed, but, um, yeah, it, I agree with that. Like it, it actually went really smoothly. Um, you know, we're very grateful that, uh, deep view, you know, the, the editors were like, Hey, we want you guys to be you like, obviously there's going to be changes, but we're, we're hiring you because we want you guys and your personality and stuff. So, you know, I, I think honestly, if you watch the camera store TV and then watch right into the DP review era, it's not really a big change as far mm. as our, our structure and, and the way we do things. Um, but from a personal level, it was terrifying, right? Yeah. Terrifying, not only giving up our show, but also giving up full-time jobs, right? Mm. You know, like that was our, you know, we have kids, we've got houses, mortgages, and, you know, you got health benefits, you know, like, you know, like you were mentioning earlier, like it's nice when you're a family person to have benefits and have that, that safety blanket and know that you've got that guaranteed job. So to kind of just say, nope, we're going, you know, contract freelance, like, let's go do it. You know, we're gonna work for these guys and hopefully they like us, right? Who knows? You know, uh, that was scary, no doubt, you know, but I, you know, it's one of those classic situations where you think if we didn't do it, we'd regret it, right? You'd always wonder like, oh, should we have gone and done that, you know? and and the camera store was very good to us in the grand scheme of things like you know 
they they appreciated what we're doing uh you know they did take good care of us at the store it was a lot of work but you know yeah it's a family you kind of get used to all the people there and on all the uh, people that you work for and that you work with and so that was tough you know for me personally the fear of of what might happen and also then not seeing these people all the time and not interacting with them and not just the staff but customers that was a big part of it people who really appreciated what we were doing um it was weird to think that they're going to come in a week later and be like, where's Chris and Jordan? Like what happened? Like, you know, where are they? So, you know, in the grand scheme of things, it went pretty smooth, but yeah, on a personal level, it was scary. It was scary you, as hell. When did, when did camera store start? What year did that cha- YouTube channel start? Not the store oh, itself, man. but was that? I can't remember Dave. It's it was, been a long it's time. It's 10 years, over 10 years, right? I mean, Oh yeah. I, I mean, the camera store TV ran for probably, yeah, like almost a decade. And then deep reviews now have been two and a half years. Um, so yeah, it's YouTube in general has changed so much. And in a way you would, you guys would be considered OG YouTubers, right? Oh, totally. Yeah. Like I remember, uh, I, I can't remember the guy's name, but he did this thing. Uh, he did a video about, um, old guard camera reviews and then new guard. And yeah, we're old guard apparently totally right. We're old school. So, which is funny to hear, but when we were getting started, yeah, there weren't many people, you know, like uh, um, Tony and Chelsea, you guys, to- uh, yeah. Kai and Locke, uh, yeah. Kai was out there. Um, Philip Bloom, you know, I guess. Yeah, you know, like a lot of the a lot of the older guys, Gordon Lang, right? He Gordon, was pushing it. Yeah. You know, it it was a lot of websites, right? It was all the sort of web pages and blog yeah. pages that then branched into a YouTube channel, right? To have that extra yeah. multimedia kind of experience. So, yeah, man, old guard for sure. And uh, and it's interesting <laughs> to see what all the new people are doing. And you know, like yeah, it's 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 neat to see, but you kind of just keep pushing away the way that you've always done. <laughs> it's funny, yeah. YouTube is such a new platform in general compared to other like uh, other careers. So it's like you know, ten years is you're you're an old timer. But, you know, it's we really don't know or have any idea what this whole Internet content creation thing is going to look like in another 10 years. It, you know, could totally change. How have you guys? I don't know. Like, yeah. How have you guys dealt with change in terms of thumbnails, titles, algorithm stuff, you know, being super relevant, you know, all that kind of stuff? Yeah, I don't know. Like, do I have to do like 30 second camera views on TikTok or something? Like, I don't I like I don't know what to do. Right. Um, yeah, you know, we certainly, we certainly, I think, you know, Jordan and I have always kind of flown steady and straight the way that we've always done, you know, um, you do change a little bit. Sure. Like our, our titling for, for example, on DP review, we've changed it a little bit. Um, you know, with the camera store TV, we were happy to see it grow, but really there was no, there was no real stakes as far as if it didn't work out or if it didn't grow huge, you know, no big deal. Like, you know, we were working for the store and we were just kind of providing a second experience and service for the people. Right. Uh-huh. Um, but now we're thinking like, okay, yeah, how do we grow our numbers? How do we get more information across, you know? And yeah, you look at other channel, like, do we, do we look at TikTok? Do we look at, uh, at other formats? Is that something we want to do? Snapchat, you know, um, <laughs> Instagram TV, like, you know, when, when does it stop? So yeah, I don't know. I think right now, uh, we're still <laughs> just going steady the way we've always done it. And, but you got to change, you know, like we talked about Dave, like, the camera industry changes so much. Mm-hmm. If you learn anything from photographers uh, in the industry, 
there's a lot of photographers that want to just say like, nope, this is the way I've always done it. This is the way I'm going to keep doing it. <laughs> and, and eventually kicking and screaming, they have to change. Mm-hmm. So Jordan and I are right now, we're happy with what's going on, but kicking and screaming will have to change just <laughs> like everybody else will, right? Well, I hope it, it won't change too much because we all have grown to love what what you guys have done over the, you know, and like you said, there's minor tweaks and things, but just keep it, keep it real, man. You guys are crushing it. No, I absolutely. I appreciate that. Yeah. I, I mean, I might dye my hair black or something <laughs> here pretty quick, you know, like maybe, I don't know, like shave the beard off and take 10 years off. Uh, yeah. Uh, Jordan and I, like over the, over the last 12 or 13 years, our, our waistlines have grown quite a bit <laughs> faster than subscriber numbers maybe. So yeah, I don't know. Maybe I'll start working out, Dave. Maybe, 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 you know, do that. I don't know. Do you guys ha- you guys handle all the uploads in terms of like uh, titling it, putting the description in, or is there some DP review people that that do that? Yeah, you know, we we have Jordan will do a lot of the titling. We'll talk about what kind of titles we'd like to have, and then the DP review staff um, they'll do a lot of the links and and comments, and of course uh, uploading onto the website dpreview.com uh, as posts for our videos, right? Okay. So they handle all that. So yeah, it's it's and we have great editors and staff who will give us feedback or talk about like you know these are the features we think we should talk about. Um, you know they're also very good at suggesting ideas that they want us to make videos of and stuff. So yeah, at the start, of course, you always have this this you know how do we all work together? How do we all gel together? What works? What doesn't? And I think we've come to a very good, smooth system that works well. And so, yeah, like they've been so good about helping us out, providing us that feedback, giving us that support. Uh, yeah, it's been it's been awesome. Jordan tweeted me recently and said, "I love it every time in the podcast when Dave talks about how everybody needs to be a parent, and it's important to, for everybody to experience what it's like to be a dad or a mom." For me, it gave me a kick in the hiney and and really made me rethink everything really because it's like okay every decision i make is affecting my family at this point it's not just affecting myself i need to stop staying up all night i need to get my work (laughs) done on time so that i get paid oh i get it yeah like you know i would certainly attribute that to like i i had my first son i've got three kids i have two boys and a girl and I had my first son when I was about 25, which, you know, I, I would consider yeah fairly young, you know, mm-hmm. especially in today's world, fairly young. And so I was still at the camera store. We hadn't started the YouTube channel yet, right? Like it was really, it was at that point, it was just like economy was booming in Calgary and I was just like hitting the sales and trying to work hard. So I know what you mean. It really, for me, was more on the sales front, working hard, working long hours. And then I think with the YouTube channel starting, that was all part of it too, right? Just like mm-hmm. putting in a lot of work and effort and growing that and growing that teaching as well on the side, doing photography jobs. It was a lot of work. So I totally get that, you know, having kids can be a great way to uh, force you, <laughs> like straight up force you to uh, to, to work for it and, and build something, right? Sure. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I, I'm amazed by how many people have also gotten into the game that don't have kids, but they just have this motivation yeah, yeah. to create and build and structure it. But, uh, yeah, if you know, if certainly having, now, if you're having kids just to be motivated to be a YouTuber, then you might be, <laughs> might be doing it for the wrong reasons. So, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, now that I have my, my daughter, Maddie, you know, she's four years old now. And, um, you know, as far as YouTube goes, she makes a great model. So I'm happy about that. Yes. I'm grateful that I've got that. She's so um, cute. We see her on the videos sometimes. <laughs> I appreciate yeah. that. 
but uh yeah i mean yeah it, it obviously having kids and and whatnot changes everything about how you approach the world and and how you speak and what you want to get across to people and stuff so and jordan i you know jordan's got a second baby now and uh you know he he seems okay so far i don't know he hasn't <laughs> he hasn't exploded on me yet so i don't know like he hasn't he hasn't broken down crying so i think he's he's very good at handling it and uh yeah absolutely he has gone in the fetal position a few times but yeah <laughs> <laughs> i know i feel like you know we did that for a year and it was fun and then i we, we should have done like another thing but yeah we kind of let it go but we'll see is it still we'll the see. banner i I think it's the banner. It has changed. I think it's changed. He's no longer fetal position. Jordan's no longer on the banner, but, uh, (laughs) but you know, yeah, we've always kind of had this back and forth, um, persona on on camera Uh and it's not actually it's not actually true in real life you know but we have this kind of back and forth persona where you know he's the underdog and i'm kind of like the 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 mean one and i'm like you know bullying him around and stuff and and he's uh you know he's taking it so it just it's a shtick and i think it works well (laughs) um in reality i'd say it's the other way around dave i think you know yeah you know sometimes sometimes i need a cuddle but, uh, you know, one of the things that when I started that I really wanted to do was get early access to camera gear, get invited to stuff. I mean, just seeing that seems so glamorous and celebrity like. But once you start experiencing <laughs> it, you realize that it's extremely exhausting. There's nothing special about it because there's 100 other people doing the same thing. Oh, yeah. What's it like being a part of this crazy YouTube game where you get a camera before it's released and it's just a race to get that thing out there? And sometimes you have to sacrifice the quality of your content just to be first. And oh yeah, is is that changing too? Where now it's it's not all that special. This the Sony ZV One, for example, when that camera came out, there was like 500 videos that came out at the same time. <laughs> I mean, I've never seen anything like it. Are these camera companies going to have to start maybe sending less out? I mean, I don't know. I mean, just tell me about that whole part of the game. That's so crazy. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean. Um... No doubt the the press trips, you know, and of course, COVID's kind of shut that down this year, but the press trips are are a fantastic experience, right? I mean, Jordan and I have traveled, we've traveled across the world uh, and, and there's no way that I'm going to say like, oh, that's not amazing or that's not cool. I mean, it is, it's fantastic, right? Like it's, it's incredible. But absolutely, when we go on these press trips, it is incredibly intense work. It is no vacation at all, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and as you say, it's like, you, you are, you're working under tight schedules, under their schedule. We have to be here. We're going to shoot this. I do love the shooting opportunities. They can be really cool. Um, but yeah, you've got a job to do and you work so much harder in those two or three days with very little sleep than you ever do normally. Mm-hmm. Um, the best part, although it might sound cheesy, is really actually meeting and then, and then getting to see the other YouTubers, they actually become kind of like your family. They really yeah. do. Um, it's a great chance, especially when you're all across the world to catch up with them. How are things going? How's the family? Like how are the projects going? What's your, you know, what direction are you going? Um, and you really start to care about these people. So it's great to just kind of get to go on these things and see the same crowd and be like, Oh, I missed you so much. Like that's (laughs) a really nice part about it. Um, yeah. And we've seen transitions where 
it used to be like a lot of press, right? It was all journalism. That's, you know, we were really fortunate. They invited us from the camera store TV, even though, you know, we weren't journalists, but we had that, that, as we talked about before, that more sincere, honest, you know, um, journalistic kind of approach to our camera views. Right. Mm -hmm. And now you do see a lot of a sort of mixed bag. There's, there's the influencer crowd. There's, you know, they're the classic spokesperson crowd, right. Where, you know, maybe they get the product. They don't necessarily talk about, features or or bad things or stats they really kind of talk about experiences and sometimes straight out they're selling products no doubt right i get it i get how the world works so you know you see events now which are kind of mixed there'll be press and influencers or there'll be influencer only events right and press only events so it's interesting how the manufacturers are trying to do it um back to the uh, zv1 like why there were so many videos <laughs> it's strange i think i think it's two reasons sony was very good about getting that product into everybody's hands mm-hmm. totally and um and i think we've been arguing for so long with the manufacturers <laughs> yeah, dave to make true. a proper vlog camera right uh-huh. and and so and when you finally hear like <laughs> no right nobody vlogs anymore. is that funny but you know like you're you're you i was i can't remember how many times we told like sony nikon panasonic can like make a dedicated vlog camera mm-hmm. uh, and they're like uh eh, you know now we'll make a hybrid thing and you know if you want to vlog with it fly, oh, forget it so, you know, I think everybody's really excited, like finally ZV1 and, you know, yeah. it's a mixed bag. You know, we've all seen the reviews, but yeah, it yeah. was interesting to see that. <laughs> on my on my ZV1 uh, video, I I referenced, there was, uh, I Justine did this huge Sony camera camp event back in, right. I think it was October or something. And I was like, it's almost like Sony sat down with a bunch of influencers and with like a pen and paper and they like talked to a million different influencers about like what is it that you would want? <laughs> Where would that have happened? And then cut to like a picture of like I think there was a hundred YouTubers that were there, and oh, yeah. uh, sure enough, I've I've talked to a couple guys that were there, and they said, yeah, they they basically sat us down and said, what would you want? And they just wrote it on a piece of paper. They ripped the RX100 out and put it in this new kind of body with a flip screen. And it's like, all right, will you shut up already? (laughs) (laughs) Sony, no matter what you say about them as a company or what you think about their cameras or whatever, right? You cannot deny like they, they put their mind to it. They have the budget for it. They plan it out and, and they, they appreciate the benefit of marketing and advertising and doing events, which of course are crazy expensive, but it makes a difference, right? It really makes a difference. You yeah. know, Pentax, I love Pentax, but as a company, you know, you could say, you could argue, you could make a bit, really strong argument for why they've done so poorly in the last decade. They were never advertising, like not even posters, really. Like not, you know, they weren't they weren't getting their products in the hands of a lot of people. I, you know, it was difficult. They were trying, but just you know, yeah. there's something to be said for that. And Sony does it amazingly mm. well, right? Nikon and Canon also, right? Mm. They've always had that legacy of of being able to do that. Um, but yeah, like, I think that ZV One, like the the product showcase feature, seems silly, oh, yeah. but I think that's going to sell the camera. Oh, it's killer! I think a lot of people are going to buy that, right? You my, know, my buddy's it's using about, it as a top down camera for a tech review channel. It's just a top down camera. It's so small, he put it on a little C stand, and he just holds the phone up, and it just boom, it just focuses perfectly every time. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah, right there. That's that's worth the, you know, the huge price tag right there just for that one feature. So I yeah. think it's going to do very well, but is it a perfect camera? No. 
No, of course not. <laughs> <laughs> well, if it, if it had a wider lens and a filter thread, it'd be perfect. But yeah. we're, we're getting close. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there'll be a ZV2, right? So, yeah. <laughs> there has to be. Yeah. There was like, there were these uh, Nikon compact cameras that were similar to an RX100 that were announced that never came to be. And they had like a, a wider, like, I think a 21 mil on oh, the wide the, end. Oh, the DL mount. Yeah, I was like, why why aren't they doing a like a 16 to 35 equivalent point and shoot? That'd be killer. Oh, yeah, we've talked about it, right? Like that there were some really interesting formulas they come up with. It was sad to see that whole thing kind of disappear. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, who knows why? Lots <laughs> of reasons, I'm sure, but yeah, that was kind of interesting. But yeah, no, I mean, it's it, nobody vlogs anymore. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> yeah, that's I, a, I, yeah, it's funny. <laughs> like they they should have done it when yeah, when the whole Casey Neistat craze was going on, that would have been the perfect time to do it. But um, you know, it's still Mr. Beast is still doing stuff. You know, David Dobrik. Yeah. It, there's plenty, and then also the aspiring TikTokers, YouTuber. You know, coming straight out of high school, they're gonna want to buy this thing. It, it'll sell like crazy. Um, the M50 review on my channel still gets more views than any oh, other yeah. uh, video. So, although it, it helps that <laughs> if you search Canon M50, my video is the first result. So that helps. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> on yeah, Google, absolutely. On Google. <laughs> yeah, it, all my all my traffic comes from Google, not YouTube. <laughs> I don't know how that got hooked into the algorithm. Sometimes when you get lucky with that, it's like just all of a sudden you get Google search result uh, views. That's 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 the best. You just ride that wave, Dave. Is all you do is just ride the wave. Yeah, and hope for the best. So speaking of uh, waves, uh, no, this isn't it. That was a terrible segue. Um, <laughs> but uh, mobile photography, we we briefly talked about it at the beginning, but it's definitely the future of photography. Yeah. Um, you can kind of see what you know these companies are doing, Google and Apple, uh, with computational photography, and we have seen a little taste of it in, like you said, Olympus. But I don't know if, if these companies don't start stepping it up with this computational photography stuff, like, I, I don't know, are we going to really start to, to lose those kind of consumer level uh, cameras, you know? Yeah, I you know, I, I think a lot of people, of course, are gravitating the smartphone because it's convenient. Um, and, you know, again, it's this thing I talked about where everybody just poo-poos the things and is like, oh, the photos are garbage. This will never take off. Like, no one's going to use these. This is a toy. This is just for regular people, yada, yada, yada. And they said that same thing about 35 millimeter film when it was envelop- you know, developed. They said that same thing about uh, digital cameras when they started coming out, right? And look where we are. So anytime people start complaining that this is a toy and it's garbage, I know it's going to be the next big thing. Like, that's it. Like, yeah, that's the way to go. And um, yeah, I, I think... I think if, if people, I mean, it's hard to say where it's going to go. You're always going to have manual controls. You're going, always going to have aperture, shutter, ISO, right? Because it's cool and it's fun and it's challenging Lenses, and it's an experience. Yeah. yeah. But at the same time, I can absolutely see, um, what are we complaining about on smartphones? I don't like the ergonomics. They're hard to hold. Yep. feel like I'm going to drop them all the time. Um, they're sometimes a little bit slow to react and get started and get shooting. Um, but the image quality... 
leaves something to be lacking in some cases, but the technology is amazing. We need to see that in an APS-C camera, for example, right? Or yeah. a Micro Four Thirds camera, right? Like, man, I'm so sad because Olympus was kind of going there. They're like, wow, let's do yeah. this. It's great for our sensor. Maybe it'll give us an approach that'll let us fight off the full frames in the APS-C. But regardless, um, yeah, it's going to go that way. Being able to decide your depth of field after the fact, being able to, you know, control things like... Um, yeah, long exposures and how they appear, being able to see that right away, being able to avoid noise by by compositing multiple images, yeah. breaking megapixel barriers by compositing multiple images. Like it, it's it's going to be standard. It's going to be easy, and mm -hmm. uh, and it's interesting to see how a lot of smartphone manufacturers are still struggling with that technology. Mm -hmm. You know, Google and, and Apple are going for it, but everybody else seems to be struggling. But there's a lot of players on the market, so that'll be exciting. We'll see how uh, how these other phones start kicking in and if they can really compete. Well, that new Sony Xperia 2, I don't know if you've seen any reviews or, or footage on that. It's basically taking the technology, the phase detect autofocus, the quick yeah. shutter, everything that you see on the Alpha series and blending it into a mobile phone. Also, I've heard that the sensor size in that phone is larger than most as well. So you're actually getting some real actual depth of field on, on a right. mobile phone um, with full manual controls. But still, it's an ergonomic mess. Also, my mom uses her iPhone. In the 90s, she used a you know, point-and-shoot camera. And in the early 90s, she used a little film camera. Right. The, the phones have completely replaced that like point and shoot. And that's why I think the RX 100 series is great because it's and the and the, the Ricoh GR and the X100. It's like that's giving us professionals something fun to carry around all day with. But my mom's not going to buy an X100, you know. <laughs> no. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I just everybody's kind of arguing in a very simplistic way about like, oh, it's going to be computational versus proper sensors with manual control and i'm just like well why can't it be both right like yeah. that's what i want to see i want to see a lot of those features incorporated into cameras with better sensors and and things like interchangeable lenses right i mean smartphones can do some amazing stuff but it's going to be a while before they can really compete with interchangeable lenses right we're not quite there yet mm -hmm. but yeah like sure i mean is iso going to disappear how long are we still going to have iso for Right? Yeah, exactly. You know, I mean, maybe that yeah. maybe that'll go by the wayside, right? We could just kind of decide what we want exposure wise later. How much how much shadow detail and noise are we willing to to trade for? Um, but yeah, you know, I, it's still the convenience. What are you referring to, by the way? Because we we have raw. Did you know about raw or? <laughs> yeah, just, yeah, I know. I'm just messing yeah. with you. You can change the exposure in post, Chris. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know, right? But no, as I'm saying is like, are we going to reach a point where we don't? Are this we whole time, camera review, deep review. You've been shooting JPEG the whole time. You didn't even know. <laughs> hey, I, I shoot, I shoot JPEG and RAW. Yeah, so that uh, we get sample galleries. But I'm um, just joking. I'm just teasing. no, I know. You know, it's funny. It's like, um, but you know, we 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 have we have things like. Uh, you know, sensors that we can totally ignore ISO, right? Just let them sit just at 100 oh, yeah. ISO, get yeah. get as dark a photo as you want, <laughs> and then crank the shadows up and, and get as much noise as you're willing to live with and never yeah. worry about having to sacrifice highlights, right? Mm -hmm. But it's still a real pain in the butt to do that, you know? And you have to yeah. have that knowledge and skill and, yeah. and you have to think ahead of time, this is how I'm going to expose my photos and, you know, looks scary. You have a photo which is almost completely black, right? Um, 
but that's going to change. Like, uh, yeah, are we going to get rid of ISO at a point? Are we going to need aperture, right? Are we going to get to a point where software in post yeah. can give us the same kind of bouquet uh, with with no quality problems compared to the real thing? Sure. I mean, we'll get there eventually, right? Will I be able to decide? Like, I want hard edge bouquet. I want soft edge bouquet. I want onion rings. I don't want onion rings. Like, you know, yeah, we'll be able to decide this uh, eventually. So, yeah, why not? Why not just embrace it and go for it? And uh, maybe the cameras will get uh, smaller, easier, right? I don't know. I think it comes down to, so like Apple and Google both, like the computational stuff, sometimes it is on device, but I know for the Pixel, you have to have like, it, it does send it up to like the cloud and they do crazy computational stuff. So like having 5G built into a camera that can connect to a server somewhere that can do computational stuff, that could be crazy. Like one of the things about the Pixel that is amazing is it's it's recognizing with machine learning that there's a, a human subject in the image. So it mm -hmm. basically does a like a, a roto mask around that and does a white balance on just the human, but then leaves the background to be whatever was naturally ambient to that white balance. So it's, yeah. cor it's correcting the skin tones to look perfect, but keeping the natural ambience. You don't like... And, and of course the pixel image is not, it's not perfect. It's a small sensor. The resolution isn't great. The lens is terrible, but you don't get all that tech in a real camera. I want, yeah, I want to have raw control, but if I could just push a button that says, Hey, do all the work for me with computational machine learning technology, <laughs> like I sign me up for that. Sure. I mean, it, it's, it's, I don't think anything is taking away create. I don't think anything's taking away creativity. I think, you know, you're still going to have to make decisions about what you want to produce, what you want to share with people. But being able to make those decisions after the fact, you know, that that's raw. That's why we liked raw, right? It kind of gave us a taste of that. But why not be able to change even more things after? So, yeah, yeah I don't know what it's going to look like. Is it going to be software based, you know, like load up your files in the computer and then do things to them afterwards? Is it going to be in camera? Uh, yeah, it's exciting to see. I hope the industry goes that way. So I do have a couple of questions that I fielded on Twitter and I'll bring those up now. Sure. Um, okay. <laughs> I said, uh, interviewing Chris Nichols for my podcast, ask any questions. Uh, Jordan Drake. No, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> um, Dave, uh, post color gear asks if he was forced to choose to do either a fly fishing YouTube channel or a camera review channel, which would he choose? Oh, that's a good question. Actually, I do help out. Um, I, I do help out a, a local fly shop here uh, in Calgary really? called Bow River Trout Fitters. Yeah, and uh, if you go to Bow River Trout Fitters, there are some YouTube channels on there that I'm on, like tying flies and doing that kind of <laughs> oh, stuff. Really? Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, you know, it's small, definitely, but yeah, if you want to check it out, it'd what be the cool. heck? Okay, so there's a whole side of you that you have a hobby, passion for fly fishing. Tell me about yeah, that. I, I I always have loved fly fishing. Um, you could ask Jordan. You could actually tweet him right now. Um, he <laughs> hates it because I'm always like, I want to bring a fishing rod every time we go shoot, and he's like, No, you're not allowed to do it. Or like underwater <laughs> cameras, underwater camera reviews. It always be Jordan. Let's go fishing. He's like, Oh, I can't stand it. Uh, he absolutely hates it. So, which is part partly what? why I like to do it, right? Oh yeah, he hates it. Yeah, it's um, so relaxing it, <laughs> and beautiful, and you're in but, nature. And yeah. I've always loved it. You know, I, yeah, it's tough. Like making any YouTube video when you'd rather just be fishing or you do video when you'd rather just be taking photos you know it does it is work absolutely but uh 
yeah, you know, I, I, fly fishing YouTube is fantastic. Sure. Yeah. It's fun. Why not? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I'd love to do it, that does but I don't up. know. We'll stick with photography. We'll stick that, with photography. That does bring <laughs> up the, uh, the kind of dichotomy of this. It's like you start your YouTube channel. You, you want to start it on something you're passionate about guitars, fly fishing, cars, cameras, whatever it is. Yeah. And then it, it's successful. And then it's like, uh, and then now I'm reviewing cameras that I would actually never review because I don't, I actually truly could care less about these cameras, but I have to do it. It's my job and I yeah. know it'll perform well. You know, how do you balance that? I mean, it's just adulting a little bit and just sucking it up and trying to find something interesting about that thing. You know, I will say one thing. Yeah. It, like w with photography, it is, it is weird. People always ask me like, oh, Chris, like what camera do you shoot with regularly? Like what's your camera? And the fact is I don't have a camera anymore that's mine in, in so far as I don't have time to shoot my own photos with, <laughs> with my choice of camera, right? Like every, t you know, tw two videos a week, it's like, oh, we're going shooting rain or shine, whatever the light is. That's, that's tough too, right? I don't get to pick the light that I want to shoot under. And it's like, here's a brand new camera you've never touched before with menus that you've never seen before with features that you have to test, right? Mm -hmm. it, it's a very different experience. But I will say that with fly fishing, that's never the case. <laughs> There's never a problem like that, right? Because it's it's different, right? If someone said like, hey, here's a brand new rod, go fish, I'd be like, yes, why not? Let's give it a shot, right? <laughs> Whereas as you say, with cameras, sometimes you're like, I feel like taking portraits. Oh, we're testing an ultra wide today. All right, right? You know, like it, it, it's it's not, it, you, don't, you don't get that same freedom. Fishing, you like... In the camera store, you talk about photography all day. You talk about, you know, how to take photos, what this camera does, what this gear does, what you need to shoot this. When you get home, the last thing you want to do is touch a camera, right? Uh. <laughs> but with fly fishing, working in the fly store, I can talk about fly fishing all day long, the rods, the gears, lines, you know, techniques. And then the first thing I want to do when I get off work is I'm like, oh, I want to go fish. <laughs> so I will say it's a very unique hobby that way. It's it's pretty hard to lose your passion for fly fishing in my opinion. Okay. So it sounds like you're on the <laughs> wrong path. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know. Yeah, I know. You know you're photography on the wrong YouTube channel. <laughs> <laughs> the problem is, Dave, I've got too many hobbies. There's way more than just those two. And what else uh, you got? yeah, I'd have to make forty six YouTube channels. I don't know. It'd be, it'd be tough. <laughs> Same here. I've I've just picked up the guitar again after fifteen years of not playing and I've completely gone down a rabbit hole I've watched over you know just hundreds of YouTube channels th that are talking about guitars now it's it's awful oh yeah I know right I love to cook I, I like aquariums like you know I, I don't know man I, I should just do an aquarium YouTube channel they get huge <laughs> views right really just crazy oh yeah insane well, I think people I... are all looking for a little relaxation right now that's what I found on guitar channels too it's like kind of oh, your huge. your your run of the mill reviewer has over 200 300,000 subscribers and yeah i hate to say it but i watch it i'm like ooh i i could do better than this you know <laughs> uh and it's just the niche that we happen to be in is uh it's a smaller amount of people maybe that are interested in it but um but it's a, just a different market there there's more yeah. money because the cameras are more expensive so you know you could yeah, you could funny. argue that all day long, but I mean, McKinnon, <laughs> McKinnon did prove that there is a lot of people that are at least somewhat interested in photography. He's got what? Three million oh, yeah. subscribers. Um, I think he's Phot a lot of us when he was coming up, we're like, okay, maybe, maybe there are more people than I thought <laughs> interested in this. Photography's always been a big pool. 
Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Guitars are a big pool. Photography is a big pool. Aquariums apparently are a big pool. <laughs> no fly pun fishing, intended. not that big a pool, actually. Fly, yeah, fly fishing. fishing, not that big a pool. So let's just say we'll stick to photography, uh, YouTube. That's a good point. <laughs> or aquariums. Um, <laughs> or aquariums. <laughs> Phil Tech Gear Fund says, how does he get his hair to look so dang good? Mm. I really appreciate that. Um, it's 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 going salt and pepper, but so far it's working for me. Uh, you know, it's it's brutal hair. Honestly, it's like steel cables, right? Like, you know, I've got like thick steel cable hair just wants to stick up in all directions. I use L'Oreal 24-Hour Remix. It's the greatest thing ever. Um, I need to cut it more often. That's a real problem. But uh, yeah, man, you just, you glue it. The answer is glue. The short <laughs> glue. answer is glue. Okay. Yeah. Okay. You know, I'm, I'm essentially gluing it in place. And uh, yeah, there have been times where you could cut yourself on my hair. It's that hard. <laughs> Ryan Erdman asks, how many photographs of puddles are too many? <laughs> oh, I know, right? I think, you know, Ryan's probably noticed I don't shoot that many puddles anymore. It's become a running <laughs> joke. I never really like shooting puddles, but, you know, yeah, puddles, right? Why not? Alberta, uh, we, we nice it, it either rains here. Yeah, it, it either snows here or it's super sunny. So when we get a little bit of rain, it's like a magical mm. experience. Let's do puddles. Yeah. So <laughs> this question wasn't asked, uh, but if I was, if I were tweeting myself to ask you this question, I would say, <laughs> What is the deal with your 35 millimeter, 50 millimeter, uh, 28 millimeter argument? Can we, can we go into the weeds on that? (laughs) I don't know what it is. I've never, I've just never liked using a 35 millimeter lens, uh, that Mm -hmm. focal length. I don't know why. I know everybody loves it. Uh, (laughs) you know, when, when I was shooting my, my FE, my Nikon FE, you know, of course you start with a 50 mil lens. Uh, the 50 mil 1.8, which was great. At first it was a Series E and then I got an AI, uh, AIS version. But uh, one of the first lenses I got was the 28 millimeter 2.8 AIS. Mm-hmm. Awesome lens. Close, like close focus correction, beautiful macro kind of capabilities. But I just kind of really enjoyed that experience. 35 is not different enough from 50 for me, I guess, you know? Yeah. Um, so and then I'm I, the I did it. I'm a 28 yeah. and 50 guy. <laughs> I right? really am. 28, yeah, 28, 50, 85. That'd be my triumvirate, I suppose. You know, 24, honestly, is way more versatile. I'd probably like a 24, but you kind of love the things that you love. And um, I had a Contax ST for a while. Beautiful camera. And and I got two Zeiss lenses. I got the 35 1.4 and I got the 85 1.4. First thing, that package was insanely heavy, like stupid, ridiculous heavy, right? <laughs> And I love the 85, but then I found the 35, I wasn't enjoying it. I always wanted wider. And um, yeah, so 35s are, are evil, and I don't think people should use them, and they're terrible. And uh, yeah. I wish no Fuji. I wish I wish Fuji would make like three versions of that X100 with like with a 28, a 35, and a 50. And when you're checking oh, yeah. out, you know, when you're buying it, you can just select okay, which lens do you want for it? It's just a drop down, and you could choose it, and that'd be that'd be pretty sweet, right? Oh yeah, I mean, my favorite <laughs> thing about the Leica Q is the 28 mil focal yes. length, right? You know, everybody else was yeah, and it was a beautiful lens, right? It was a beautiful yeah. lens, and you know, or you Suma can Lux, crop, wasn't it? Yeah, Lux. Yeah, you, and you can crop, 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 crop your 28s yeah. to 35s all day long, right? If you want it, right? But yeah. I like having the option of having that 28 millimeter. In terms of the lens thing, I can relate. I My first kind of prime kit was a tw- uh, I had a bunch of contact Zeiss lenses that I had modded with a uh, declicked aperture ring and uh, a Canon EF mount 
built onto it those contacts zeiss uh lenses and they were great i had a 28 a 50 and 85 and it was the same kit i fell in love with the 28 millimeter focal length i was able to make it work even as a wide but i think a 19 is a nice thing like to have if you want a super wide um on top of a 28 but anyways that there's a lot of people that (laughs) don't really have like i feel like a lot of companies don't make really good 28s so yeah you know a lot of people are either getting a 24 or 35 uh and the 35 obviously you can make a little bit smaller because of physics i would assume that you know yeah i i think it's just beautiful that we all get to use different lenses (laughs) it's it's silly it's silly to argue about them and and and, uh but you know apple and and google like all these phones their normal lens is a 28 it's 28 yeah if if that has anything to say about it then well, enough, and I wish the Pixel set. 4 was wider, right? I mean, that's one of my complaints. I wish the Pixel 4 were wider. Yeah. But, um, you know, yeah, it's like, really, if we want to have a, have a serious discussion about it, right, you got to <laughs> think about it without any emotion, without any romance. I mean, the fact is they're all tools, right? All these lenses are tools, uh-huh. and you got to think about the right tool for the right job, right? There's situations yeah. where 35s are great. There's situations where 28s are great. There's situations where 24s are essential. So... Yeah, we'll just we'll stick with that. But if I don't have to use a thirty-five, I'm not <laughs> that, going. Uh, to. What is it that Sigma makes that art lens? I think it's a twenty-four to fifty, like one eight or something, or, or yeah, it's an F two. Uh, yeah. It's an F two. Yeah, that's perfect. Well, you know what's perfect is that Micro Four Thirds lens that Panasonic just did, the ten to twenty-five. That is. Oh, Jordan loves that lens. Yeah, I love that. It's a twenty mil to fifty mil equivalent. Which, oh my gosh, I would love to have a zoom range like that on full frame. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, I for me, I really like. Um, I'm like a twenty-four to one hundred five or twenty-four to one hundred twenty kind of guy. Uh, I'm starting to enjoy that more and more, like the Olympus twelve to one hundred. But when it comes to primes, I really kind of just want to have three. You know, that kind of, to me, feels perfect. You know, walk out on the streets, you're forced to use lenses that you might not necessarily feel are the best for the job. I, You know, I get that restriction can be a lot of fun, but yeah. then I want like a 24 or a 28. I want a 50 and I want an 85. And uh, yeah, the 35s can just, you know, they can stay in the camera store. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's hilarious. All right, well, uh, we're coming up on an hour here. And I, again, yeah, I man. Pre- appreciate your time um, to kind of close this out. What What's your kind of inspirational uh, word of wisdom that you could impart on our listeners. You've been doing this for over a decade now on YouTube. You've been a photographer, a teacher, um, somebody who's inspired by you. Like myself, a couple of years ago, I was heavily inspired by you and Kai, like I said. And um, what do you have to say for somebody who's who's starting out that wants to kind of follow in your footsteps? Oh, one word? Uh, L'Oreal. For sure. That would, that would be it right there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know, man. Like, Head and yeah, shoulders. What else? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, there you go. L'Oreal. Um, that, that's worked pretty well for me. <laughs> you know what? Right, if I was going to, okay, let's do a serious answer. Let's do a serious answer. You know, if I was going to think back on all the things that made it successful or that, that worked well, you could talk about talent, you can talk about opportunity, work ethic, blah, blah, blah. But really, um, very few people are going to do a good job doing it all by themselves. So yeah, I guess look to the, look to the people around you. That, that's your answer to make a YouTube channel work, you know, or, or to get those things to start coming to place, whether it's a partner or whether it's, you know, coworkers or whether it's family. Yeah. Yeah. You can't do it alone. 
Don't try to do it alone and don't feel like you have to do it alone and it's you against the entire YouTube world. I think you will find that if you meet the other people that you are so-called competing against, you will actually find that you are collaborating with like we're doing today. Yeah, exactly. Um, that's that, that brings up. Yeah. I w- when you were talking about when you go on these trips and you hang out with other YouTubers, it, it is amazing to just have those, those dinners and just kind of shoot the breeze and it's not at all competitive at all even though you guys are all Mm-mm. staying up super late to finish an edit at the same time um there's no a rising tide lifts all boats that's the the saying yeah and um it, there's very few people in kind of normal life that you can have these conversations with because what we do is so unique you know not to put sure. ourselves on a pedestal in any way but um you know almost all my normal friends <laughs> really, they really still don't understand what I do, you know? Um, yeah. and it, it's so, it, it feels great to just kind of unload and be like, ah, oh, you know, the algorithm changed, <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, yeah, absolutely. And everybody's process. Like I, I've learned so much just kind of doing this show and interviewing so many other creators and kind of like, okay, okay. The way they did that, that's really smart. I'm going to, I'm going to start doing that. You know, you can really learn a lot and yeah. It's a collaboration. I, I've I've never had like a feeling of competitiveness or animosity to any of the other people in the same industry that are doing the YouTube thing. Mm-hmm. And when you see some people come on this scene and they're like overnight five hundred thousand subscribers, the next week a million, <laughs> right? And you're just like, wow, like you know, I don't know. I think it's the wrong attitude to feel like, oh, what am I doing wrong? What are they doing so well? Like, uh, how do I change myself to be like them? It doesn't work that way. I don't know if anybody's mm-hmm. ever done that successfully. Mm-hmm. Has anybody seen somebody else and been like, I'm going to do what they do and have it work? I don't think so. You know, <laughs> you really kind of just have to be yourself and mm-hmm. not worry about some giant popularity contest and uh, and focus on the people that, that are supporting you and that are around you. Well, um, I can't agree more. I started my YouTube journey with a collab, a collaborator, Connor, who, who shot with me. And I will say going out in public and kind of filming yourself by yourself, doing a camera review is super awkward. But when you have somebody standing there with headphones on with a camera, it looks more official. So oh, yeah, except everybody asks you like, Oh, what news, like, what do you, what news <laughs> yeah. outfit do you work with? What, what's going on? What's the story? Like, you know, who, yeah. who got killed? Yeah. yeah. And, and as, <laughs> as the cameras have gotten smaller and smaller, I know that's why Jordan chooses to shoot on the GH five. So he can look less like a news uh, crew member and more of a, uh, tourist oh, I guess. no 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 he's just he's losing lots of muscle tone uh and he just yeah he's just he's not as young as he used to be even even no monopod huh it's all, it's all just <laughs> ibis yeah, can't anyways well thank you so much chris for being on the golden hour podcast it was a real pleasure meeting you and having you on the show so thanks again man i appreciate it it was a lot of fun thanks for having me I'd like to thank you all for listening to the golden hour podcast brought to you by the polar pro studio Once again, I'm your host, Dave Mays, and we'll see you next week.